Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation of the Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. How you doing, Adam? Has this ever happened to you? <laughs> you you have like a minor injury. Has that ever happened to you? I gotta tell you, I'm nursing a minor injury. Oh, oh no, what happened? It's an old man injury. It sucks. What did you do? You lift a, a suitcase full of merch on one of our uh, live shows? God, I could have. Our merch suitcase was, I think, at max. So close to 69 pounds. 67 pounds <laughs> is what it was. Did the gate agent ask you if you wanted to get a couple more things in there to see if you could hit the magic number? Couldn't even think about that. Like, I don't want gate agents whose job it is to handle heavy luggage all fucking day. Like, I want to load this onto the belt for them. It sucks knowing that they got to do this. So often it's like a, a woman of a certain age who doesn't look like she is built for 67 pound suitcase, you know? So it wasn't suitcase related. You're going to fucking roll your eyes at me because you always do every time I bring up the Peloton, but it is a Peloton injury. (laughs) (laughs) I rode real hard and my calf is all fucked up. Oh, buddy. It really hurts. And and what I got in the medicine cabinet, it's not icy hot, but it's like a version of things that like both cools and heats. Uh And it's got a roller applicator, right? Uh Applied directly to the calf. Exactly. So I'm in here a couple of times, like a couple times a day over the last few days doing doing the roll-on application. Do you know that in my third day of applying the ointment, I realized that it was antiperspirant (laughs) that I had been applying to my calf and that the cooling sensation I was feeling on the calf was the (laughs) aluminum going hard into the calf. (laughs) Would you say that there was any, like, uh, I mean, placebo effect or anything about the aluminum that was that was helping? No, I was I was irritated because I was getting no no comfort or satisfaction from this. Jeez, oh, and I man. am so stupid <laughs> that, like, to be the person that goes into their medicine cabinet, putting something in or around their birdie, and not even looking at the label. Yeah, what am I thinking? That's the real old man injury. The injury to your sense of Yeah, it really is. control over your environment. <laughs> ben, I conned myself. That's what I did. <laughs> what happens when you can't even trust yourself? Oh, That's man. what I'm facing. Great question. And uh, you know, you used to be the guy that we relied on around here for the for the schemes. Nope. The the japes, the Nope. The jive. I don't know under what mug the nut lives. <laughs> I'll never find that nut. <laughs> I don't know which cup. Well, as the sole host of this podcast, still in his 30s, uh, I'll help yeah. you find that nut, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, dude. I so often forget that you are not just the younger, but the way younger <laughs> of us both. <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, scammers and uh, scammers for whom the the bloom is off the rose, Mm. uh, why don't we get into today's episode of Star Trek Voyager? It's got a jaunty title. It's Star Trek Voyager Season 6, Episode 21. Live fast and prosper. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. (laughs) An episode directed by LeVar Burton. This episode opens on a really cool establishing shot of like a sci-fi mine operation. Like it feels like it's a miniature that they actually built. And they use this one establishing shot. I don't think we've ever seen it before. It's not like recycled from an old show. I couldn't believe that they built this miniature. It looks great. Did you ever get this catalog from Lego where like it would be a magazine of these amazing Lego creations And you'd see these things and you'd be like, holy shit, that is awesome. But what they were doing was selling like a portion of the scene you were looking at on the centerfold. So like, (laughs) 
I remember very specifically, like there was a full on spread, like like adult magazine spread in the middle of this thing. <laughs> and it had like all of these domes and, yeah. and a monorail and all this shit. And I was like, that's what I want. That's the Lego kit I need in my life. But you couldn't even buy it. It was just made up of components that you could get in a in a kit right. for like small space station B or yeah, whatever. Yeah, totally, totally. That's what this scene looks like. It it looks really great. It it looks yeah, it looks like your parents would be in like two hundred and seventy five bucks by the time you had all the pieces that you uh-huh. need to recreate <laughs> the thing you saw in the catalog. That's it, yeah. And Catalog quality. We see a couple of loafy boys in the Star Trek caves, and they're, uh, you know, they're they're nervous and excited because they're about to meet some members of Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> One of them pops in a tape of "This Ain't Star Trek Voyager." <laughs> Seriously, because the the people that beam down are poorly cast. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway. This is Commander Tuvok. We're from the Federation Starship Voyager. I think the casting of these two actors to play these roles and then the direction of getting them to act this way, knowing what we know by the end of this episode, I think it's magical. Oh, it's totally magical. I mean, it's, it's great. It, 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 but it is this ain't Star Trek Voyager kind yeah. of magic. Like the bagginess of the uniforms, yeah. The like the huge pips. The, yeah, everything's a little bit out of scale. <laughs> <laughs> they both have little butt cracks on their foreheads that uh, they haven't yeah. gone to any effort to to clean up. Now you got to go into the folds pretty regularly if you're them. I bet just to yeah. keep them clean. Yeah, there's uh there's some upsetting crevice situations going on here. <laughs> And uh, this is uh, bullshit Janeway and bullshit Tuvok, who have beamed down to Telsius to talk to these guys. And uh, when we come back from theme, they are negotiating a deal. It's dilithium for bolomite. I got a question, Ben. Where on the Cal Hudson scale do these giant comb badges fall? Like the Cal Hudson scale it doesn't account contain- for bigness it, of badge. Yeah. It's all about badge altitude. And I would say that the fake Janeway is doing something bad with her badge altitude because the the top of the delta is touching the red. It's it's like right at the edge of the red, which is just bad. It's upsetting and bad. Everyone knows the Cal Hudson scale has to do with like the depth of that com badge establishing a larger than lifeness to its wearer or a a greater sense of command or whatever, it makes its wearer look big. Right. Uh, And I mean that in every kind of way. But a giant badge would seem to take the energy out of that because it makes the person look small compared to their giant badge. I don't know. I was totally scrambled up thinking about this. It's like a tall guy wearing a really short tie. You know, it's just like it throws (laughs) everything out of whack. It is exactly that. <laughs> so, Why didn't I say that the whole time? <laughs> I, d- I needed your description of this issue to, to formulate that. So that was, a, that was an act of teamwork. These pips are like nickels, too. Uh, oh, right? yeah. You could never explain the wrong number of pips away with corn. <laughs> Maybe with like, uh, with like corn nuts, you know? They had to make the neck taller to accommodate the size of these pips, right? There's no way these pips fit on a standard size collar. Yeah. Like sometimes you go to the Star Trek convention and you meet a friend in DeSoto and they're like, yeah, my spouse came with me and, you know, they're not really a Trek fan. And you meet the spouse and they're like in cosplay and you're like, oh, you're borrowing this. (laughs) You know, this doesn't fit you. damn it. Are people going to think that we're hating on homemade cosplay folks? Because we're not. It's just that sometimes when you're borrowing a costume, it doesn't fit you exactly right. Exactly. And that's what's happening with these scamos. Yeah. They're negotiating this trade and fake Tuvok is like kind of trying to logic his way through it. And fake Janeway, real irritated at some of the interjections, uh, especially when... He brings up the, uh, the the difference in value between bolomite and dilithium. This ain't Janeway and this ain't Tuvok are like on two very different levels in terms of like the school play. Like one is absolutely feeling the Tuvok character and like mm-hmm. 
knows Tuvok right. and knows what he's thinking. And this ain't Janeway is is like very superficial. Yeah. Just like there to be the star of the play and nothing more. Right. Most popular girl in school loves being on stage, does not yeah. think about acting or take it very seriously. This ain't Tuvok doing the work. Yeah. I mean, but also like is method acting really necessary? Like, do you have to be a dick to everybody at the craft services table when you're not in a scene? This ain't Tuvok is definitely that guy when he gets back to his ship. Like, he he cannot let it go. No, he can't let it drop. I was portraying my character as truthfully as possible. So they make the trade, these fake Starfleets beam up, and we see them on their ship, and there's a, a third guy in their, in their gang, and uh, he is not in costume, not in character. And uh, Janeway pulls off her wig. Shock of shocks. She's bald. <laughs> She's bald. She's bald. <laughs> I love this sort of decompressing after a con, right? Mm. Got to take the wig off. Have to uh, to flirp the little, uh, the little flap. Yeah. The uniform. Got to loosen it up. Got to loosen it up. Not that those uniforms look very tight. (laughs) God, I got to take off these sweatpants. Woo! Yeah. Well, yeah, I wondered if they're, if, I mean, their ship looks kind of shitty, so maybe the thermostat isn't, like, regulating the temperature super well. Yeah, this thing looks like a real piece of shit. Yeah, I love that she, like, has to, like, kind of hold the dicky closed when, Mm -hmm. when the guys call back up from the surface to... Announced that the bolomite has been beamed aboard, and they're like, "Cool, thanks." Well, this uh, this ion storm or whatever is really uh, messing up our our comm, so we gotta go. But we'll be back with your dilithium at some point. Yeah, you can see how this is gonna play out. One thing I really appreciated about the way they're faking this being the Voyager is that there's one screen behind the Saint Janeway that has the United Federation of Planets logo on it, but it's yeah. all done in gold and it's got like little like starbursts of of glitter that that pop up from time to time. <laughs> it's sort of like Friends of DeSoto are watching us record this episode now and like just out of frame, mm. my studio is a shithole. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's never looked worse, but like in frame, I got this uh this fiddly fig tree and mm-hmm. I got I got my chair with my uh, my Wesley scarf on it. You also have a beautiful studio, but just in that frame. Yeah. All, all you can see uh, is couch and television and internet lighting. That's all you need. But just outside, it's just like pasta sauce and noodles stuck to every <laughs> surface. It's where you eat every meal, and mm-hmm. it's where you eat every meal like that. <laughs> Speaking of things that need to be cleaned up, Janeway goes to her bathroom in her quarters and asks the computer to cut on the sonic shower. And uh, boy, this is an annoying noise. Oh, adjust the frequency. So annoying that the the mirror punches out. Computer, deactivate the sonic shower. Now, anytime you're doing a home repair, of your plumbing system, <laughs> shutting off the water at the main is a great idea. But most homeowners don't know where that is. <laughs> we can take advantage of the fact that this water has not been shut off to start the demo of our bathroom a little bit earlier than normal. <laughs> so Janeway marches down to engineering to ask what gives, and uh, turns out there are gremlins eating the ship alive. Kind of shocking the way Janeway tells the story of Gremlins. Like, she was in the war, and she has a very, very strong affinity for American-made tractors. Mm. Yeah. Was that Mr. Fetterman in the yeah. in Gremlins? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Famous for that scene, and then also getting the dress code in the Senate relaxed. Exactly. Uh, we never did Gremlins 2 as a, as a Boko episode. I'm afraid that Gremlins 2 is going to change how I feel about the first Gremlins movie, and I don't want that to happen. Gremlins, Gremlins the first. Have you never seen Gremlins 2? I have, but but so long ago. It was one of those like uh, Ghostbusters 2 to Ghostbusters experiences where my hopes were so high. I was so excited to be with my favorite people again, and I felt so bad after. I, I don't think I ever watched it after the first time. I think you should re-experience 
and then share your pain with the friends of DeSoto. <laughs> All right. I think we can probably do that. All right. In the many free hours we have uh, <laughs> mid-tour. <laughs> Sounds great. Our course is locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. Do it. Over in the mess hall, it's shit on a shingle time. And uh, how many sections do you want in your tray, Ben? These look like two-section trays. I feel like that's the perfect amount. Yeah, because there's like the TV dinner tray where there's like the big main section, and then there's the three littles up at the top that you usually got like a piece of cornbread, the dessert, and a a veg. I don't think that's a bad configuration. I think that's good, but I like like equal side by side. Just a meat and a veg. Yeah. That's it. A meat and one is uh, what (laughs) Neelix is operating. Yeah. uh, Tom Paris and uh, Anton Kim invite Tuvok to sit down with them, but uh, Tuvok is uh, is quite cross with them because of all of their uh, practical jokes messing with his holodeck programs. The Oracle of Catal isn't programmed to wear pajamas. There's sort of a debate whether this is a one of the many malfunctions that is plaguing the ship or not. There is a disparity in their energy that is clear. But also, I think the way a scene like this is shot and sequenced is important to underscore what's happening, right? Like, Tuvok is superior and looking down at Paris and Kim eating their lunches, and they're looking up at him, and it's shot and cut that way. It does sort of put a childlike spin on on Paris and Kim in a fun way. And the way that they're sitting next to each other. Yeah, Kim's doing a side sit. Yeah. This is what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's sitting here eating when the captain and BLT come in with some bad news for folks who have been sampling Neelix's wares today. Everybody stop eating. Captain, what's wrong? You want more information than they give, right? <laughs> because stop eating, we don't have any further information. That's not good. What if you just got off a very long shift and you're like starving? What do you, like how long till we can eat again? You remember how BLT wore the engineer's jacket with the tools in the pocket? Mm-hmm. Are you just like snack mix person all the time in the pocket? Are oh, you yeah. a granola bar person? I threw like four or five packets of uh, of gummy candies and. Uh, bags of Cheez-Its in my backpack last time we were in a Sky Lounge together. Oh, those are great. Yeah. <laughs> and I found them the other day and just like tore through all of them like an absolute animal with no self-control. <laughs> That's because those little Cheez-It bags make you feel big, huh? They do, yeah. It's like the Cal Hudson rule of snacking. Yeah, you see me walking around with one of those, you're like, damn, Ben is huge. <laughs> and powerful. Mm. <laughs> Not going to mess with him. Yeah. So uh, they open up the cooktop in Neelix's galley and find a, I don't know, some kind of component that he installed, like a heating coil or something. And they're like, where the fuck did you get this thing, man? (laughs) And he explains that he traded with, uh, I thought he said like a clerk when he first said this. He says her name is Sister Dalla. She's actually a cleric, but (laughs) the way... The way he said it, I thought clerk, and uh, I was trying to picture what kind of like bureaucrat also calls herself Sister Dalla. Yeah. I don't know, man. Anyways, uh, they were trying to help out the poor orphans, and um, this was just uh, a trade of, uh, of charity. The cooktop of a kitchen area will run off of either gas or electricity. The Maillard reaction only happens when meat is dry on its surface. If the rock is covered in goo, this will not occur, leading to a gray, unappetizing piece of meat. There's nothing appetizing about a green rock. How are you supposed to get sear marks? This heating coil is covered in goo. It's going to catch fire, and your fire suppression system is not even going to work. You don't want anything this gross in the galley. Like, I don't like seeing goos in galleys. Is that coming out of it, or is it, like, dripping down on it? Is that, like, Leola root goo? I mean, this isn't, like, 
like the the stuff that collects around a stove. Like this isn't a, a caramel boiling over in the pot Ugh. and like and ruining your coke top. This is like like you can see Janeway kind of gross out as she as she touches this thing. Yeah, it looks bad. Ugh. Yeah. So she gets uh, sort of saved by the bell. She's called up to the bridge by Chakotay, who's got Mr. Oric on screen. And uh, talk about people who suck. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is uh, fit to be tied with Janeway because of the failure to deliver the promised dilithium that his guys traded for uh, this bolomite. Yeah. And uh, she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, well, I got the contract right here. And in the conference room, they review the 70s black exploitation film Dolomite starring mm. Rudy Ray Moore. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the mission. Yeah. Dolomite is my name and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. One of the great opening sequences when... Uh, <laughs> Those guys ask where Dolomite is, and he just jumps out of a tree and shoots everybody. (laughs) (laughs) You never think to look in the tree, do you? No, yeah. So, yeah, they go over this. Issue one. Janeway's like, you know, you got done wrong. It sucks for you, but we are also getting done wrong because the sister Dala may have been the one to do both of these things. She sold Neelix a bad cooktop. (laughs) Fucking our ship up. All these glitches go back to the cooktop. This ain't Chakotay has more to do in this episode than Chakotay. (laughs) And more lines. Which is still not a lot. You can understand the argument, though. Like, this guy feels like he's owed something from this deal that fell apart. And and it's a shit ton of dilithium, which is something that they can't just give him to make him go away. Exactly. And they're like, you know, we have no evidence that anything you're saying is true, so Occam's razor is that you're just trying to scam us out of the... Dilithium. No one trusts anyone yeah. in the room. But when Janeway hears him mention poor orphan children, oh, oh, this is exciting. And she just straight up leaves the meeting. I don't think the meeting's over. It's, uh, I guess, incumbent on Chakotay and Tuvok to wrap things up with this guy. <laughs> Janeway leaves and we cut back to Chakotay and underneath the table, he's holding a pencil. <laughs> He just knows that he's going to be off camera the second she walks out of the room. You got to believe if you're Chakotay in this episode, you're doing that thing that newscasters do where they're just wearing basketball shorts under the desk. Like, he's wearing a half uniform, right? Basketball shorts, if if we're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. So Janeway finds Neelix in engineering and uh, asks about this cleric he mentioned before. Yeah. Cleric who gave him the heating coil. And as he starts talking, we... Get into a flashback. Please, go no further. This is our sanctuary. Our scans didn't detect anyone down here. Our sect is a solitary one. Begin the cleansing. We're terribly sorry if we've disturbed you. Get the fuck The deities will be angry. Come on, Neelix. We better get out of the way. Of course he and Tom were in the Wayanti system, which uh, also features a lot of Star Trek caves, much like the mining planet that we visited earlier. Yeah, if you just take the lights and then move them to the other side of the camera, I think <laughs> yeah. I think that works. That's different enough. Uh-huh. Uh, so down in these caves, they meet uh, Sister Dala and Brother Mobar, who are the same people that were impersonating Janeway and Tuvok in the opening scene. And uh, in this, they're clerics who believe some highly ritualized religion where they have to cleanse things and do incantations all the time. And Paris and Neelix are like so embarrassed to have uh, interrupted whatever holy shit they were up to. I really think Caitlin Hopkins and Greg Daniel, the actors who play Dala and Mobar, are some of the finest actors we've ever encountered in all of Star Trek. Because what they're doing here to, like, be con artists, but not hateable con artists, like, you know they're taking advantage of characters that we care a lot about. Yeah. And you kind of want to watch it happen. You like, do. I am, I'm just eating this up. And, like, that they could do this and not be hateable. And also, like, they have that gear in them that is acting, but not acting good. <laughs> 
Yeah. You and I are big, big fans of this. Is is like when you can take a little bit off the acting fastball, and all of a sudden you have the dimensionality of a character who is trying to get one over on someone else. And maybe they're not that good at it like these characters are. I think what's specifically appealing about it in this episode is that they are plausible enough to just be a real type of person that you encounter in like a bad episode of Star Trek. So this flashback is sort of like, remember this bad episode of the show? This happened. Like, you know, it was it was cut from the season and never went to air. But this stuff happened. Like if you were going to make Ferengi from scratch, but you didn't go broad at all. Right. Like that would be kind of the vibe that these guys bring. Pretty great. So we come back to the present and Neelix is like, yeah, so like we were feeling really bad about the whole situation and we uh, invited them back to the Delta Flyer. And Janeway's like, well, did you guys leave them alone on the ship at, at any point? And he's like, no, no, like we were with them the whole time. Like, for example... Tom took Brother Bobar to check out the the front of the ship, and I was in the back area, which is, you know, where everybody eats and is also the morgue. And uh, <laughs> Sister Dalla and I were having a nice meal. We had those plates that have the two sections, uh, which, you know, I guess they have it in, in the galley, but also on the Delta Flyer. That's just a personal rule for me, is I'll never eat where I brando. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking my meals in the back of the flyer. No, no way. way. I've got to get that latinum. Put your latinum where your mouth is. I've, I've got to get that latinum. Fortnite is just a gold. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. He's kind of given her the spark notes of what the Voyager has been up to the entire time. She's very impressed to learn that the captain of Voyager is a lady Mm -hmm. and uh, very curious to see how much admiration Neelix has for Janeway. And then they they do their incantation. Paris and and Mobar come back from the front of the ship and uh, the incantation is one that requires everybody to close their eyes. Like, make sure you're the last one to close your eyes if you're saying grace, you know? Just make sure nobody's taking your wallet or your phone off the table or whatever. Absolutely. Like, if if you don't subscribe to the religion in the ceremony you're you're somehow involved in, yeah, keep them open. <laughs> Not going to take my wallet. It's the perfect crime, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, we cut back to the present, and now, now Paris is there with... Neelix, uh, they're feeling very embarrassed to be kind of admitting that uh, through closing their eyes and trying to honor these people's religion, they expose the Delta Flyer to a scam wherein uh, all of the data from its database got downloaded. This is a uh, stolen Credence tapes level of umbrage that Paris has got to take here, right? Wouldn't hold out much hope for the tape deck, though. Or the Credence. Yeah, because it sort of seems like he's not catching on at first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's consistent with the the theme of the episode, right? Like, are, are Paris and Neelix marks for this generally? If it had been Harry, I could understand it. He trusts everybody, but you and me? Yeah, they kind of split off into their own B storyline at this point. Yeah. We cut to a second McLaughlin group. Issue two. With Oric, where he's pissed that this has not just led to them backing a Brinks truck full of dilithium up to his planet, but uh, uh-huh. he's like, okay, I'll give you the scans that we made of the ship that they called the Delta Flyer, and maybe you can go find them. I like that channel along the the middle of the McLaughlin group table. We've never seen it used in this way when he slides his triangular iPad over to Janeway. We've gotten an interview LeVar Burton before. If I ever got another chance, I would ask him how many takes this slide took. (laughs) Because the channel seems barely bigger than the pad that gets slidden, and the pad is kind of triangular, right? Mm. Yeah. I gotta believe this is like take four or five that didn't just go like dooga dooga doon. Like, <laughs> like if you don't slide it exactly right, that thing's gonna get caught and it's gonna look stupid. Maybe they got um, like a like a conveyor belt and they built it into the bottom of the table and it doesn't look like it's moving. But he and he's not actually sliding the pad. He just he just mimes sliding it and the, the oh. table does the rest. It's like. There's a magnet underneath it. Yeah. There's a guy dragging that <laughs> magnet under the table. That's what you do. It looks so real. It looks perfect. <laughs> the best magicians will never let you see what's up their sleeve, counselor. So in sliding this pad down the table, he has agreed to let Voyager track these con artists down. And we cut over to This Ain't Voyager, where This Ain't Janeway gives a strange alien a tour of their piece of crap ship that isn't impressive to this guy at all. Is this a typical Federation vessel? Yeah, this is Varn, and he notes all of the outdated technology and the overall shittiness of their ship, but they're rattling off all of the species that they've bested <laughs> in the Voyager. Don't you love the energy of like, yeah, I mean, this is our other car. Our, our much better <laughs> car is back in the garage. Varn is a fucking idiot, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you, 
If you're giving a tour and you like show like a poster of a Lamborghini with a bikini babe sitting on the hood and go like, yeah, "Yeah, that's the other thing I drive. You don't believe that person. That's my Canadian car. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty great, right? Yeah. They are giving the the hard sell to Varn on joining the Federation. Seems like a great deal, right? It's kind of like a timeshare pitch, you know, like- how much would you say you spend annually going on vacation? Yeah, the tough part is this ain't Voyager isn't a nice place to be for any length of time. Yeah. You know, you don't right. want to be stuck in that conference room with doors that lock from the outside <laughs> on this ship. Yeah, so uh, the deal is like you can be in Starfleet and it's like a mutual protection thing. There is some cost to joining, uh, and we can, you know, do that on a fast track basis if you would like. And he's like, "Well, I got to go back and talk to my, to my shipmates." And they're like, "Okay, well, we'll be back in six months." And he's like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. Let's uh, not so fast, you know. Let's <laughs> talk about this now." This is so classic, like that that artificial urgency of a salesperson. The hooks are in, baby. Where none existed before. Uh, this guy initially does that thing, that thing I'd recommend to anyone, which is like, I don't buy anything from my porch. That's my answer, solicitor. Give me your card and I'm going to think about it. Mm-hmm. But this artificial timeline changes everything and it makes him want to act now. And he signs up for the distributor pack and now he's yeah. going to recruit seven friends and they're going to recruit <laughs> seven friends. <laughs> the solicitor tried to sell me a pest control service huh. for like, a list of bugs that that folks in my neighborhood are fighting. And he's like, yeah, you know, we're going to be down here uh, next week and we signed up all of your neighbors and you're the last one. Oh. Like, you're not going to hold out on us, are you? <laughs> and this was several months ago. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. We've never been through a summer here before. I think we're just going to see how bad it gets and then maybe we'll we'll do it next time. And also, I don't buy anything for my fucking porch. So whatever. I... Never saw this guy again. Yeah. He never sprayed around any of our neighbors' houses. Yeah. That was it. It was a con. I had a guy come to my front door and he was like, hey, I've got this picture of an ape and they're <laughs> going to be on sale now, but the price is only going up, dude. And I fell for it, man. Hey, isn't this a picture of a cool ape? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it seems like Varn is going to join, quote unquote, the Federation. Yeah. And uh, we cut back to Voyager in the galley where Paris walks up to Neelix and these two are clearly humiliated for having had the wool pulled over their eyes that bad. They kind of yeah. need to lick their wounds. They need to they need to kind of commiserate about the humiliation that they've uh, they've experienced. Doesn't Star Trek do a, a pretty good job of like exploring the full range of I hate to use this word, but like human emotions. Mm. But they don't really do a lot with guilt, right? Like outside of a couple episodes, like the Wesley Culvert Starburst episode was like one of them where like he couldn't contain the guilt before it just like boiled over in him. Yeah. But like you'd think there'd be more episodes where like a mission goes wrong and folks like Paris and Neelix is like, Oh, (laughs) I blew it. And you blew it. I blew it and it sucks and everyone's looking at me knowing I blew it. You blew it. We make fun of Chakotay and Kim all the time and their trail of terrible relationships behind them. Like we are able to look at them with shame, but no one else does. Maybe everyone around them is just nicer than we'd be. It's very funny that... Like, Paris has always thought of himself as the bad boy of Voyager, but he also thinks of Neelix as the other bad boy of Voyager. <laughs> He's like, we're like the biggest scammers on the ship. What happened to us, man? <laughs> Much like I can't trust myself anymore about uh, things that you roll on in order to administer them to your birdie, <laughs> I don't think Paris should trust his judgment if, if that's what he thinks of Neelix. They are trying to talk themselves back into a good mood when the EMH walks in and they come up with the idea of a three-card Monty scam. And, uh, you know, this this starts in a very traditional way where Paris is uh, is the plant in the audience and making the right choice. And then they, uh, they lure the doctor in 
and tried to spring their trap on him. But uh, the doctor's visual acuity is far too good to be tricked by this. He's looked at a lot of nuts over his career. <laughs> he knows exactly where they are, where they're supposed to be, where they're not supposed to be. Mm. And uh, this one just happens to be in Neelix's left palm. Uh oh. So they can't even scam the EMH who was born just a few years ago. The bed on the table seems pretty sizable, right? Three shifts in the kitchen versus three shifts in the in the six bay. Yeah, that's rough. Does that all fall on Neelix, or does Paris have to get involved in that too? This was exactly where my mind was at. Was like, <laughs> is Paris betting with Neelix's money? <laughs> you got to be careful there. A little bit, I think he is. See you in six a. The music cue at the end of this was so silly as well. It's like, yeah, like very old timey television music cue. Very hammy. That fades into uh, the bridge where. Tom Paris is called up, and uh, Voyager has the ship that they're pursuing on sensors. And uh, we cut over to the This Ain't the Delta Flyer, where This Ain't Janeway is talking to This Is Varn <laughs> about how these ain't photon torpedoes you sold me. Great time for Voyager to roll up, right? Yeah. Like, if you are This Ain't the Delta Flyer, and you've constructed a story around your, your Canadian starship... When the Canadian starship arrives, you got to be feeling pretty good about it. Perfect. You're like, Varn, look, it's the thing from the poster with the bikini babe, just like I told you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Neither of them respond to Voyager actuals hails. Yeah. And on Voyager, they get they get real Varn on FaceTime, and he's pissed. Yeah. And he's pissed enough to turn this into a firefight. Yeah, he's got this ain't the Delta Flyer in a tractor beam, and... They're like trying to talk him into into letting them have the this ain't the Delta Flyer. And the fucking Delta Flyer gets away. Seven has like one brief little moment in this episode, and it is that she gets she gets one of the members of the scammer crew beamed into the brig. I'm Captain Captain Jingway of the USS Broadbuster. Captain Captain Jingway of the USS Broadbuster. Doesn't it seem like a quality of Star Wars battles is like pew, 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 and then one of the ships escape? I feel like in this episode of Star Trek, that happens a couple of times in a very refreshing way. Yeah. The bad guys keep getting out of there. Janeway mm -hmm. goes down to the brig and confronts her doppelganger. I have to admit, I'm impressed. I wish I could say the same. Dala has kind of a lot of lip for someone on her side of the brig, I yeah. thought. <laughs> and good restraint by Janeway for not just fucking pounding her. Too bad that Dala didn't have a different scammer persona that kissed Janeway on the mouth earlier in the episode <laughs> so that uh, we could have a little, uh, little reprise of that interaction. Are you talking about in a uh, Inquisitor Kira versus uh, <laughs> versus Kira situation? No, I'm talking about it uh, having been Janeway's lifelong ambition. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that they took off her comm badge for safety. Like, there's no chance that that comm badge actually had a function, right? Yeah, the giant like, one. It's made of nougat. <laughs> <laughs> the brig officer's like, I I know this isn't going to do anything. I just I want to hold on to this. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> My kid is going to love this. I did read that these extra big com badges were sold at auction uh, after uh, the production of this episode. I wish I was able to get my hands on one. Yeah, too bad. Uh, I think Garrett Wong actually won uh, all three of the ones that they made. I'd really love a tour of that guy's house. So Janeway wants this ain't Janeway to commit to paying back all of the victims of her scamming. And if she does that, Janeway is willing to let the scammers go. She's like, we'll, we'll get you through the part of space where everybody's mad at you and we'll let you go. Dala is so used to a life of cons, of not trusting anyone, of like getting one over on other people, that she can't believe this is a real deal. Is that a promise, Captain? Can't understand how anyone could be this, this kind in this sort of negotiation. Yeah. But, uh, Big mistake for Dala to try to renegotiate in this into a give me the Delta Flyer. This is like a real like 
helicopter with a bag full of money <laughs> to take me off of the roof of the bank. Yeah. Kind of demand. And I want a new car! And I want the city to pay for it all! We never give that to people. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> she's nuts. Janeway's like, I'm just going to I'm gonna give you to the to the guys you stole the bolomite off of. And, uh, yeah. you know, their prison is way worse than this. I would have loved if Tuvok's reference to lethal psoriasis in prison was a callback to Tom Paris's time in prison. Oh, and, man. And that, like, country club-style prison that he was in that he was still complaining about. Like, <laughs> if there was something about the pilot episode that was like, yeah, Paris has a skin condition, and uh, <laughs> he finds this very unpleasant, all of this structured work outside <laughs> in this beautiful weather. Just an absolutely brutal dunk on Tom Paris. Oh, man. <laughs> Am I making any sense here? You should have seen the, you know, backs of his knees and under yeah. his arms. It was very uncomfortable. <laughs> so Janeway and Tua kind of wheel around and leave. Like, she has not taken the deal, and she's going to be the uh, the Telsians problem now. Yeah. This ain't Janeway is just going to have to stew in the brig. Yeah. And um, Janeway and Tuvok march up. Janeway kind of questions why the lethal psor- psoriasis thing even came up, and Tuvok is a little bit embarrassed because he, he, he got asked to leave the groundlings. After just a couple of classes. You can tell after just a couple classes when someone just isn't a good fit. Doesn't know what a yes and. Yeah. There's coffee and making it up as I go along. But uh, so so that was like the bad cop. And now they're trying the bad cook on uh, this St. Janeway. <laughs> Neelix comes down with her meal and he's very curious. Like, do you feel like I'm feeling a lot of guilt? How about you? <laughs> you have a lot to feel guilty for. This moment is so humiliating for Neelix, a person we know who's already feeling bad about being conned one time. Oh, how could he possibly look anyone in the eyes after this? It's really tough. He does that thing that Neelix does, which is like he forges what he thinks is a bond with someone in a very short amount of time. He tells her this great story about how Janeway inspired him to be a better dude. Uh, Outside of that whole dating a very younger woman situation, he's mm-hmm. been problem-free throughout his time on Voyager. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're just going to have to trust that Janeway and Neelix are actually this kind. Is this all a gambit, though? Like, I, I feel like after this point, I wasn't quite sure where the episode was saying things were happening on purpose and where they weren't. Like, is he conning her into thinking he's this much of a rube so that she will bonk him on the head and steal his phaser and think she's getting away in the Delta Flyer? I think this is the central problem of the episode, is that I can't quite get on the level of Dala being smart. Like, film and TV throughout time is always like, the bad guys lose because they aren't as smart as the good guys, generally. And so I just believed that she could never be smart enough to do this on her own. So she had to have had help. It sort of looks like he's talked her into cooperating when she does the bonk on the head. But I love the idea that they might have never told Neelix about this plan. And he's in there completely unaware. Lucky as fuck that the phaser that for some reason he has on his belt when he goes into the cell, which is like yeah. prison 101, you don't bring a gun into the cell. Yeah, exactly. But lucky as fuck that she doesn't put it on vaporize when she does her escape, right? Yeah, because this this poor Briggsman standing outside gets shot with it. It looks like it hurts. Security to the brig! She gets on the Delta Flyer, she flies away, and... While she's uh, in transit, like she's in transit and like it sort of seems like everybody on the bridge is like, okay, like our plan is going because Harry Kim yeah, uh, says the thing to Janeway and she's not like, get after her, you know, or yeah. follow her or whatever. Yeah. We come back to this ain't the Delta Flyer where this ain't Tuvok and this ain't Chakotay are having an argument over what to do about Dala because... This ain't Tuvok is still in character arguing for she's our captain. And the other guy's like, she isn't though. Like, that's not real. 
<laughs> Can you take the uniform off also when we're not doing that? Get those fucking points off of your ears. God, that's just it. He's always wearing the ears. Yeah. At least at least this Ijikote has like wiped the fake tattoo off of his forehead and, and taken off the wig. I love Mobar. Mobar rules. Just, just giving it everything he's got. Um, on the real Delta Flyer, Tom has been hiding in the morgue. He and he slides out once Dala has uh, has beamed herself over to this ain't the Delta Flyer, and uh, she's like arguing with her her buddies about like you got to let me back into the gang, mm-hmm. and uh, and like let's go get like all of our loot wherever we stashed it and get the hell out of here, get over the border into the next yeah. sector, yeah, where they don't have an extradition treaty or something. There's no heat around that corner. Paris has brought the EMH, which is a cool, like, oh, yeah, you can, like, sneak aboard one person, and then he can have another person in his pocket. Yeah, I like that a lot. That mobile emitter's handy. Yeah, and he gets on FaceTime with them and, you know, tells them to uh, to heave to and stand down. And they shoot him and warp off and go to the planet where they're stashing their bolomite. They move the key light to yet a third area in these caves <laughs> to make it distinct. But you can really tell that the trust is breaking down between the three of these people. And the St. Janeway is getting very paranoid. Yeah. Their mission is to set up a bunch of transport enhancers down on the surface. And when they complete this part of the project, this St. Janeway whips out a dustbuster. Yeah. So she's. In the EMH the entire time? This is a great question. Like, at what point is she not Dala? Because, yeah, like, Tom Paris gets out of the out of the morgue and turns on the EMH, and is that who beams over in the persona of Dala? Someone's idea is that it would be more fun if we didn't know exactly who this was. Yeah. But I think it just confuses a little bit what the intentions are like right i'm really curious about what dala was interested in up until the point it it ceased to be her anymore in these scenes i did really like that dala's performance was very emh-y in these moments yeah i agree everyone gets to do a little improv this episode yeah tuvok beams down to the star trek caves and like he and the emh get the bad guys and Dala wakes up in the morgue on the Delta flyer where she's been knocked out somehow. (laughs) And Tom Paris is there. Doesn't seem like you disinfect that morgue between bodies, right? Yeah. Don't think I like that. So yeah, we get a little captain's log about how all of the stolen goods have been returned the Voyager's reputation is back to its sterling ship of death self. And uh, we get a little a little button where Neelix and Tom are trying their shell game again to trick the EMH. This time they actually get one over on him. Paris had a nut in his hand the whole time. Yeah. Do you like this episode, Ben? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like Fred, and I don't like you. I liked a lot about this episode, but that that last act, I just felt like it was too confusing, and there were too many like loop the loop. I'm not quite sure. Well, Ben, Dala is the nut mm. at the end of this episode, right? Right. Under which cup is she? Oh, that's that's not Dala. That's the EMH in Paris's hand. See what I'm saying? I do, but I think for that to work, the EMH has never had the technology of just impersonating whoever he wants. That's true. Before this. And a McLaughlin group or a scene in engineering about we can do X, Y, Z to establish that that is possible, I feel like maybe would have helped a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's a, it's a con the con artists episode and that's always fun when you're building a world around the con artist so they think that their con is working but in fact they're playing into your plan right is always super fun but like it just didn't feel like it completely sold me on 
on what parts the Voyager crew was knowingly participating in. Like, did yeah, did the security guy in the brig know that he was going to have to take a phaser shot to the chest for this plan to work? Did somebody have to talk him into that? I also want to know what happened to Dala and Mobar after the episode. Like, like we're aware that all of the stolen shit needs to get returned and they're the ones to do it. Right. But like, God, they've got to hate each other. And does Mobar keep the ears on? Like, to (laughs) what extent is Mobar now stuck? Is he still in character (laughs) the whole time? I like the episode because it's a caper. And tonally, a caper episode is just so different for a Star Trek Voyager episode. I just really also fell in love with Dala and Mobar and the actors who played them. They ruled. And like the screen grab of this episode is that first scene with them on the surface wearing those ridiculous uniforms. And I was prepared to think that they were dumb (laughs) and this episode would be dumb and bad. Yeah. Totally not. I I like this episode a lot, and I think it was for their performances. If I ever see them at a convention, I really hope I do. Like, they seem like the type of actor that would be at a Star Trek convention, and I would love to meet them someday. That would be really fun. Yeah, they definitely really sank their teeth into this, and I feel like LeVar Burton is such a a Trek veteran that, like, the conventioneer in the slightly ill-fitting costume with the like homemade pips that aren't quite the right scale. Yeah. Has got to have been somewhat inspiring to the way they designed these characters. Oh, this guy was in True Blood. Hmm. Greg Daniel. Wow. So he can also play horny. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I bet if you're casting softcore, True Blood's gotta be an IMDb page you're farming all the time. <laughs> like, good with nudity. That's true blood. <laughs> well, let's see how we feel about the messages and our priority one inbox, Ben. I'm going to head that way and see what we got. That's a good idea. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. Hmm. Here's what that message is. I love Star Trek's hopeful vision for a future without poverty. I try to do my small part to make that happen, minus the eugenics wars. And I bet a lot of friends of DeSoto do too. I'm giving a shout out to GiveWell, an independent nonprofit focusing on the highest impact ways to reduce poverty and suffering in the world. They publish their research for free, so anyone can make informed decisions, donation or not. They don't even take a cut. All the money goes directly to the cause you choose. So to find out more, you can go to givewell.org. And if you do donate, let them know you're a friend of DeSoto by choosing podcast and selecting greatest gen. Wow. It's got uh, like some drop down selections about uh, how you found them. That is really cool. I'm glad we're learning about this. It sounds like a good deal. Yeah. A donation season is coming up. So uh, give givewell.org a shot. Adam, what do you say we uh, donate the portion of this P1 that we will receive from Max Fund to givewell.org? As long as we say that uh, we are podcast and then we select greatest gen. Yeah. Adam, our next Priority One message is from Counselor Hillary, and it's to Science Officer Jonathan, and it goes like this. Pottery is the traditional ninth anniversary gift, but I couldn't find a Bajoran tablet, so for you, the best head of hair in Starfleet, a P1! The children keep us busy, and the cat might be a surveillance bot, but I feel lucky to be your wife every day. Here's to a non-time paradox-inducing future together, and may there always be coffee in that nebula. I'm a wedding anniversary. <laughs> oh, Bajoran Tablet, it's so nice to hear from you. <laughs> I create a lot of pressure for spouses. It's okay, though, because I'm friendly and I'm always hanging around. <laughs> Happy anniversary, you two. Yeah, Hillary and Jonathan sound great. And uh, look at this. Hillary arranged this 
well enough in advance that we're actually pretty close to the date that she selected. Love it. Yeah. October 11th is the big day. Never forget October 11th. (laughs) Ben, our final priority one message is from Ripley, unintentionally like Adam's dog, and in parentheses, Fajita Jane. And it is two in no particular order, Allison, Jess, Allie, Misty, Patrick, Todd, and of course, Ben and Adam. That message goes like this. Amazed to meet all the FOD at STLV23. It was awesome being welcomed by so many folks. Wendy greeted me and knew who I was. I'm still in awe. I also wanted to say sorry for being a Shimoda, for getting Brie Belke's last name and calling her Brie Larson at the pool. (laughs) Glad it came off as bits. Excited about the Portland show. And uh, there's a a request for the rando drop of your choosing. Wendy, I think you know which one gets played when uh, a rando drop gets requested. Well, how do you expect me to type? Not with your fingers. With my nose? Would have definite advantages. Look, it's typing everything I'm saying. Not with your fingers. Oh, my nose! They'll destroy you. Did you see that? With my nose? There it sits. Stop it! Everything you have done, stop with your fingers. Stop with your fingers. Stop. Well, how do you expect me to type with my nose? Stop. Stop it. Stop. Stop it. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. You thought you could handle it. So handle That does it. I quit. Oh, man. Fajita Jane. She's the best. Yeah. Brie Belke, my favorite Brie. Brie Larson on the list. On the list. Pretty yeah. high. <laughs> A, a key brie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Fajita Jane, thanks for coming to the Pranica Cabanica. That was super fun. We'll see you next year, hopefully. Yeah. Fajita Jane used to call into uh, K-Pod all the time. Oh, really? Back when K-Pod was a thing. Yeah. yeah. Does the phone line still work? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I gotta give that a try. Yeah. Well, uh, Priority One messages still work, Ben. Friends of DeSoto can go to MaximumFun.org. Slash Jumbotron. Okay. Write out a couple words. We'll say those words. That's the arrangement. What you pay there goes a long way in supporting the production of our shows. We really appreciate it. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I think I'm going to make mine Janeway. Janeway actual. Because she wants to play this game. She gets drawn into this con person way of life. Hmm. By conning in the brig, she doesn't have to do that. She could uh, slam the brig door on this ain't Janeway and throw away the key. She could. But I like that she does a bit in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and mm-hmm. Tuvok just barely hangs on during. It should really be Tuvok, but I'm going to make it uh, Janeway for setting the tone. What about you? Tom Paris and Neelix were really vying from being my drunk Shimoda, but Paris... Won it with his uh, what would religious clerics want with our database query. <laughs> like he, the fact that he has not caught on at that point to the fact that they were scammed is it's so late in the game, Tom. Like, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> I mean, by this moment in time, there's hundreds and hundreds more years of examples of religious leadership not always doing good things. So, right. Protect that wallet. <laughs> Keep your eyes open during yeah. the prayer. We should talk a little bit about what we got coming up next week on the show. Of course, that'll be season six, episode 22, The Muse. Stranded during an away mission, Balana finds herself the inspiration for young poet's art. That sounds nice. Yeah. As, is, uh, is he going to draw her like one of his French girls? Oh, boy. First full frontal scene in a a Star Trek episode. Nice. (laughs) Uh, You know, I don't remember. I I know that this ran on UPN where almost anything was allowed. So, uh, Oh, yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. These are wild times. The heady days of UPN. Yeah. Uh, We'll see. Adam, why don't you uh, let us know how we will be watching this episode by going to gach.biz slash game. Ben, I'm over at the Game of Buttholes. The Will of the Caretaker, where top row status 
is where our runabout is. It's on square 94. Fun. Four squares ahead. Got a space butthole that would uh, take us down into an nth degree episode. Six squares ahead. Mornhammered. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Is this the very inopportune time (laughs) for me to roll a six? Let's find out, Ben. Oh, you know what I did? I rolled a one. (laughs) Did I win? Hardly. Square 95 is where we are. It's a standard issue episode by us. It's a good thing. Those are great episodes by us. And that's how we're going to do the next episode of Star Trek Voyager. I can't wait. Really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to not getting shithouse drunk on another very, very busy production week for us. So, uh, yeah. It's good stuff. Good stuff all around. It's been an intense amount of work around Uxbridge Shimoda. Couldn't do it without uh, the aid of our producer, Wendy Pretty, uh, who came out to see us at a live show out in Minneapolis. That was a treat. That was a treat. We also couldn't do it, obviously, without the support of the Friends of DeSoto, who help us out financially by giving us a little bit of money each month to make this thing. That's uh, MaximumFun.org slash join. If you haven't already become a member, uh, consider doing so today. Yeah. Get some bonus content every single month. I got to thank Bill Tilly, the card daddy, running the social media accounts at Greatest Trek. Also got to thank Adam Ragusea, who made the original theme music based on Dark Materia's original card song. Adam Ragusea cooking up a storm over there on YouTube. Make sure you follow that YouTube account. Learn a thing or two. What's he cooking? What was the last thing you saw him cook? No, I was like listening to him talk about the Roman Empire on his podcast today. Oh, jeez. Adam, I gotta take a shit. Can we please fucking get this over with? <laughs> Just don't think of don't think of gnocchi ragu. Yeah, thanks. Cool. Think of anything besides that, like like heavy. Yoki, just like dropping into a pan of boiling water. With that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager, an episode of the greatest generation Voyager where Adam Pranica is the muse that is inspiring my art. <laughs> oh, that's so gross. <laughs> Nicely done. Make it so. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.